You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm going to dive straight into it because we want to make the most of our time here. Today's message, I've called it a tale of two kings. And I'm going to just sum it up straight away. When you're vulnerable, when you're feeling vulnerable, mentally, emotionally, physically, in my experience, good and evil often present themselves to you. A bit like two kings showing up. And sometimes we need to make a choice in a very clear and a very dramatic way. Sometimes it's low-key and sometimes it's dramatic. So I'm going to be speaking about this today. I'm going to be looking at Genesis chapter 14, and I'm going to be highlighting a number of verses. You can see them there on the screen, verse 17 to 23. But I'm going to put it up on the screen there now in just a moment. And this is concerning a man called Abraham. This is a continuation of the message that I was speaking last Sunday, and it's the next section of that message. So Abraham, it's set thousands of years ago in what we now call Israel, Lebanon, that area. And Abraham, as many of you know, is a friend of God. So this man Abraham is on a journey and there's a lot of war going on. So may God bless His word to our souls today in Jesus' name. So last week, we looked at the rescue. How Abraham rescued Lot. Who was Lot? He was like his son. He was a family member. And because Lot had made a choice as to how he was living, though he was a good guy, he chose to live in a city called Sodom. And because he was living there, the enemy captured him, along with everyone else living in that situation and in that city. And we saw how Abraham was ready, straight away, to rescue the person he loved. And we saw how many of us have family members, friends, who because of wrong choices have been captured by the enemy. And we were challenged and encouraged to see how Abraham was ready to rescue his loved one. So Abraham indeed rescued Lot. He traveled right up to the north of Israel. And his nephew, who was like his son, at this stage he didn't have a son, he rescued him. And so after that battle, long journey, mentally, emotionally, physically, Abraham is returning after a great victory because he defeated the enemy. He rescued the person he loved. And as he's coming back, this is where our scripture portion for today picks up on that narrative. So we're told that after Abraham returned from that battle, Bera, king of Sodom, came out to meet him. At the same time, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, brought out bread and wine to Abraham, saying, You 
are blessed by the Lord Abraham. He has delivered the enemy into your hand. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. But the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Keep all the goods you recovered in the battle for yourself, Abraham. But Abraham said to him, I have made an oath to the Lord today, and I will accept nothing belonging to you. Not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. And the first verse of the next chapter finally says, After this, the Lord said to Abraham, Don't be afraid. I am your shield. You're very great. This is humming, friends. This is humming today. Something, something is alive in this today, supernaturally, I believe. What's happened? Well, Bera, the king of Sodom, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, came out to meet Abraham. We know it was on the plain, and we know that this is good and evil. The name Bera actually means the son of evil. The son of evil. And then at the same time we see that Melchizedek comes out and meets Abram. I'm going to use a little bit of a prop. I've got an apple here. I was going to eat it this morning, but I denied myself so that I could have this. And I've got a knife in my hand. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry, just picture it in your imagination. Can you see this in Cafe Church? A knife? A knife and an apple. Okay. So, you see, I'm starting to peel the apple. And as I'm peeling the apple, it's a bit like Abraham returning from battle. He is physically exhausted. How do I know that? Anyone who's been through a battle is physically exhausted. Long journey. Not only is he only is he physically exhausted, he is mentally exhausted. He had to use, we saw it last Sunday, every single bit of his intelligence. Remember, he divided his forces in two. Remember how he attacked by night. Mentally, he was really tired. And because his beloved nephew not lost like a son, because he was in trouble, because his life was on the line, Abraham would have emotionally been incredibly on high alert. And if you're on high alert emotionally, mentally, physically, you're going to be exhausted. What happens when you're exhausted? It's a bit like this apple. It's a bit like your outer layer of protection is gone. Michael, my beloved friend, often says that when... You, all of us, if we're, we're just two days sleep and three days without food and water away from becoming savages, there's something naturally that wears you down and me down. And it's a bit like this apple is gradually going to start going brown, but I'm going to get a piece anyway. Mmm, mmm, thank you, Lord. Mmm, 
for the fruit. <laughs> but this apple is going to get brown. Why? Because its skin is gone. Because what's normally there to protect it and keep it fresh isn't there anymore. And that's a bit like Abraham was. And that's a bit like you and I are when we've been through something that has challenged us mentally, emotionally, and physically. And every time that happens, I promise you, I prophesy to you that every time you and I go through something like that, the evil one will show up because you're vulnerable. You don't have the protection you normally have. You're not well rested. Most of us here had a good night's sleep, did we? Okay, those who didn't have a good night's sleep, God bless you, I know it's tough. But most of us have had a good night's sleep, so we're refreshed physically. We probably haven't been through some major war this morning, at least I hope you haven't. So emotionally, mentally, we're okay. So you and I naturally have our skin on. We're still kind of okay physically. And some people get very supernatural in that, super spiritual, I should say. They totally separate body from spirit. You know what? We are one human being. And the physical does impact the spiritual. And if you feel sick spiritually, sometimes you'll go low as well. And there is a whole Bible study and a whole uh, challenge in order to rise up above the physical so that spiritually you won't go down as well. But anyway, you get the picture. Abraham doesn't have any of this. Abraham is feeling raw and exhausted and tired. And we see a double thing happening. Good and evil appear before him on the claim. Who is Melchizedek? This is what we're told in Genesis 14. That Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine to Abram. Just like you've had now, bread and wine. Saying to Abram, you are blessed by the Lord, Abram. He has delivered the enemy in to your hand. I stand here today and I say to everyone who loves the Lord Jesus, you are blessed because the Lord has delivered the enemy into your hand. It's just some of us don't believe that. Some of us are so weak in our souls, we haven't grasped that. I'm not saying everything is great for you. Of course it's not. We're in a broken world. But fundamentally, something great has happened. But then on another level, Abraham had gone into battle. And this was as much spiritual as physical. So this guy Melchizedek comes out and he physically refreshes Abraham. Now we think in Ireland, bread and wine, we think of the Lord's body and blood. But remember, not only is it a prophetic foreshadowing, I'm getting all theological now, of what was to happen on Calvary, it was also a physical blessing. Melchizedek wanted to physically refresh Abraham. And James in the New Testament says, you know, our faith is fake if we're not willing to help those who physically need help. Amen? It's not just all about praise the Lord, it's also about practical things. So he comes out and he physically refreshes Abraham after this battle, but also it is spiritually pointing to something in the future. He makes, makes a declaration. Do you think Abraham didn't believe that? Of course Abraham knew the Lord had delivered the enemy into his hands. Of course Abraham knew that the Lord was blessing him. But that's not the point. 
even though you know it, sometimes we have to declare it. We declare it spiritually. Jesus Christ is Lord. Every time I say that, is it that I don't know that? Of course I know that. But the Bible encourages me to declare it. And I declare it to the Lord. I declare it to the devil. I declare it to my family and my friends. And I will declare it to myself. So don't just be silent. There's a time when we need to make a declaration. Look at what Hebrews 7 in the New Testament tells us about this person, Melchizedek. King of righteousness. That's literally the meaning of the name. The king of the most high God. The highest God. King of peace. Having neither beginning of days or end of life. But resembling the son of God. Melchizedek appears out of nowhere. And then disappears. We never read of him again. In the narrative of real time. That is going on here in Genesis. But we read about him elsewhere in scripture. Referring back to this person. Who appears out of nowhere. And he's the king of peace. Salem. That is where we get the word Jerusalem. It's where we get the Hebrew word Shalom. Peace. So straight away we begin to see there's something more going on here. Well, many people believe this is what's called a Christophany. That's a theological term to say the Trinity, three persons in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, the second person who, be, who took on the body of Jesus Christ in the incarnation. Before that happened, many believe that he would occasionally appear in a human form before he took on the body of Jesus. And many believe that this was Melchizedek. You can read about it even in Psalm 110.4. He's called El Elyon, the highest God. I love what David Guzik, a Bible commentator, says about this. He says, many people today will ask you to connect to a higher power. Why settle for a higher power when you can connect with the highest God? Hallelujah. Who say amen? amen? Praise God for those who are trying to get people to think spiritually. But let's remember, there is only one highest God. In the Irish language, we would use the word the Ardri, the High King. In ancient Ireland, there was a king above all kings up in Tara. The High King, well, the highest God. So don't settle for anything less. We saw how he brought out bread and wine like you took it a while ago. It's pointing prophetically to Calvary. And Salem, of course, means peace. So this is the Melchizedek that we see. I keep thinking, sorry, of um, how when Abraham and Melchizedek met one another, as you read it there in the narrative, it's constantly as if they're just showing honor to one another. They're constantly honoring one another. And at times it almost feels like one will show honor and the other will show more honor back. And it's like a virtual circle of honor that's going on here. And as I was reading this, I thought of the New Testament scripture in Romans. Now, most men are competitive. Maybe a lot of women are as well. I don't want to be sexist about it. And some men aren't competitive. But competition is not a bad thing. The thing is that if we are competitive about ego, selfishness, it's not good. I'm bigger than you. I'm prettier than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm a better singer than you. That's not good. 
but the Bible does encourage competition, not in a selfish way, but for example, in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12.10. So when we see Abraham and Melchizedek, we see a little bit of that again, pointing towards the future. So I wonder when is the last time you, and I have to challenge myself as well, thought that guy or that girl is really showing honor. I want to do even more. I'm going to outdo them. So it's a lovely, healthy competition where we want to bless one another. Isn't that a great community to be in? That you don't come in the door here and everyone is judging you and everyone is having a look at you. Do you know, giving you the once-over? You know, the once-over kind of... Mm. No, most of us don't know the once-over. God, you are blessed. You get the once-over, they're looking you up and down, they're judging you, and they haven't a good word to say about you. They will try and find something negative. And it ends up that one criticizes another, and you walk into a whole atmosphere where it is death-giving. But a life-giving atmosphere is where we build one another up. It doesn't mean we're not honest and real. It doesn't mean we don't have to talk about something that not, that's not good. But the Bible says, be competitive in showing honor to one another. Praise God. And you know what? If you're Irish here this morning, and that's a lot of us, we really need to hear it. Because we don't do honor in Ireland, do we? Hmm. Hmm. We don't. It's probably because we were a colony, and when we were ruled by England, we didn't want to show our overlords any honor, and then that's continued, even though we're a hundred years independent, we still have that chip on our shoulder. We don't have an awful lot of honor here. Look at what Abraham did. He gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. You can draw the analogy. You don't need me to point out about tithes or whatever. But Abraham, again, the honor and the blessing continued. Because when Melchizedek gave him bread and wine, and he then does this, Remember, this is honoring the Lord. And this is what we don't have in Irish culture. You know what it is. I don't know how many times I said to my mother-in-law, that's a nice jacket you have on. And she would say, sure, how long have I that? Years. She was only in the wardrobe. Or you'd say, they're nice shoes you're wearing. 10.99 in Duns. Or you say to someone, I think your voice was really good today as you were singing. Ah, not at all. My voice is like a crow. I'm useless, really. Like, we just can't take a compliment, can we, in Ireland? We, if anyone, listen, if you're not Irish and you've moved here, know this about the Irish. If you compliment them, they will throw the, we, <laughs> mea culpa, we will throw the compliment back to you because we get embarrassed. It's not that we don't like the compliment. It's just we don't know how to deal with it. Anyone who's Irish would say that's true about them. It is, isn't it? I mean, God forbid you'd say to someone, I think you're fantastic. Ah! Which mm, are, no, I'm not. I'm an awful old fool altogether. We can't handle a compliment. I probably shared it before, but I remember being with an American pastor at a conference years ago, and he came up and gave me a compliment, and he said, that was a great word, you know? And I did the usual Irish. I said, not at all, not at all. It wasn't really, you know? <laughs> I lied. <laughs> But that's what you do here. You throw the compliment back. You don't accept the compliment. And he looked as if I had a major mental handicap. 
I actually saw him about six months ago at another conference and he gave me a weird look. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> you see, in a lot of nations, for example, America, you give someone a compliment, they'll accept it rightfully so. We're so screwed up in Ireland. We really are. And we really have to get away from that because we don't even honor ourselves. But Abraham and Melchizedek honored one another. And we can see that this was really something that was powerful that was going on here. And then we also see that Bera, the king of Sodom, comes and said, says to Abraham, keep all the recovered goods for yourself. Remember now Abraham went and attacked a city up in the very north of what is now Israel, actually Lebanon. And not only did he set his nephew Lot free, he set all the other people free. Now, Lot would never have been captured if he hadn't decided to live in Sodom because life was easy there. If he had lived with Abraham, he would never have been in that predicament. But Abraham rescued him. And not only did he rescue the people, he rescued all the possessions, the gold, the silver that was stolen. And he brings it back. And then Bera, king of Sodom, comes out and says this, Keep it all for yourself, Abraham. It's yours. Keep it for yourself. And it's so tempting, isn't it? When the evil one comes in and says, you've earned it. You're the one who traveled right across the country. You're the one who paid for the private army. You're the one who was ready. We wouldn't have won this war if it wasn't for you. You defeated the enemy. You know where I'm going with this. You've had a hard week. Your wife has really given you a hard time. It's okay, look at the other woman, it's okay. That's all right, you deserve it. You deserve a bit of comfort. You've had a hard few weeks. You've really had to battle and work. It's okay, have an extra, maybe just go back and just one line of cocaine, that's all. Just one spliff of marijuana, that's all. You deserve one. You see, the voice of the enemy never changes over thousands of years. He will get you and me into a mindset where we deserve it. It's like the, it's like the, um, what's that shampoo ad? I deserve it. You know that ad? You're worth it. Okay. You're, I, I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> so the evil, remember now, see our apple is starting to get brown. Abraham is vulnerable. He's, he's exhausted. He's emotional. No matter how stable you are, he's emotional. His brain is fried. He's exhausted. And he gets this lovely, tempting offer. You see, when you make a stand for God, the enemy will always come in. Always come in. And look what Abraham says. I will accept nothing from you, not a thread, not a thong of a sandal, so you can never say, I made Abraham rich. Well, no, if ever you needed proof that Abraham wasn't Irish, this is it. Can you imagine an Irish person saying that to you? I will accept nothing from you. What would we say? Here your grand yourself, fork away. That, that's what we'd say. We'd never be that kind of forthright and in your face and declarative. Era, work away yourself, you're grand, really. But you know what Abraham was saying? You know what this really was? Get behind me, Satan. When is the last time you said that? Sometimes, especially if I'm driving, if I'm walking, if I'm on my own in the house, and I know the enemy is attacking, 
I will literally say out loud, get behind me, Satan. I will never say, here are your grand work away. No, no, no. No, no, no. Irish people, don't be Irish on this one. Be as clear as crystal. Declare it. Just like we declared the Lord is our blessing. Let's declare to the evil one. Get behind me, Satan. I am not going to lose my integrity. I am not going to have my character sullied by your reputation. No, Satan, I will not accept this. And so Abraham is up front. Now, maybe if you're a psychiatrist here, you're looking on, you're going, you know what? He was really tired. Remember, all of his protection is gone. That's what's going on here. He's really tired and exhausted. No, 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 won't accept that. Abraham was declaring, I won't accept this. Get behind me, Satan. And here's the real rotten thing in this, guys. I bet you, Barak, king of Sodom, in Cork we have an expression and we go, he had a smarmy look on his face. What does smarmy mean? He had a smirk on his face, kind of a half smile, kind of a I know more than you smile. Barak would have sniggered and cackled at Abraham. Why? Because he knew that all of this battle that Abraham had gone to the trouble of doing, that Lot who was rescued was going to go right back to Sodom. Because that's where he went. Abraham rescued Lot, but Lot never went back with Abraham. Wouldn't you think Lot would have learned his lesson and said, I'm never going to go back there because back in Sodom, I'm going to get captured. I'm going to back with you, Abram. I don't care if my sheep and my cattle aren't going to have as much grass as normal. I'd put up with that. With you, there's life. But back in Sodom, I nearly lost my life. As did his wife and children, by the way. But you see, Bera knew. <laughs> You've gone to all this trouble to rescue your loved one. But they're mine. I have them. I have them. And I want to say this, some of us as Christians will go to the ends of the earth to rescue our loved ones. But we will fast and we will pray and we will do everything right. And still, they'll go back and we'll even rescue them. And they'll go back and they'll live in a way that's going to bring death and not life. And we don't see them delivered. And you have to prepare your soul for that possibility. Praise God for everyone who is rescued. But sometimes they're not rescued. And you know what? The Lord still wants to see you and me go that extra mile. So that you and I have a clear conscience. Whether this is our children, our mum or dad, our friends, our workmates. We'll do everything we can to see them rescued. But at the end of the day, if they're not, well, I've got a clear conscience. I did everything I could. Not out of a legalistic way, out of a heart of concern. But then there comes a time when we say, there's no more I can do. It's up to you, Lord. And if you read on, Lot got out of that situation just by the skin of his teeth. Abraham didn't go to the ends of the country for him again, but he did plead before the Lord for his life. And because of his intercession and prayer, Lot was spared death when the judgment came on Sodom. And so, brothers and sisters, we continue to do everything we can to see our loved ones rescued. But we don't have a guarantee. Why? Because at the end of the day, everyone has a free choice. 
And that is the essence of the gospel. It's a free will. God didn't make you a robot so you had to love him. He wanted fellowship right at the beginning. Konania. Konania is the old word. He wanted connection with us. But he wanted us to make that decision willingly and not because we were forced. And it's the same with our loved ones. We're going to be God's implement to try and rescue them. But in the end of the day, we have to leave it according to their own decision. And I believe that's a prophetic word for someone here who is desperately disappointed. And you bring that disappointment and sometimes it can sour your relationship with God. Why didn't God rescue that person? You know what? It was their choice, not yours. You did the right thing in going all that journey to rescue them. None of us have a guarantee. And we have to move away from a false theology that says we will always win. Sometimes our winning is long-term and not short-term. And it might seem like the battle is lost, but the war is won. Hallelujah. And at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you don't have any blood on your hands. And I have to make sure of that. And so we come before God and we have done everything we can. And I can just imagine when Abraham is there and he's raw and exposed and exhausted and hungry and mentally his brain is fried and he sees this smarmy smirk from Bera who knows very well Lot ain't going back with Abraham. But Abraham still said, get behind me, Satan. Some of you here this morning, before you go to bed tonight, you've got to say that. In your experience and your situation. Cafe Church, I hope you're listening. Some of you have got to declare, get behind me, Satan. When he attacks you and when he tries to drag you down, you have to declare the spiritual reality. So Abraham makes this declaration, hallelujah. And look what God says in the end. After all of this, I am your shield, Abraham, your very great reward. This is about the long game, because it's a long war. It's not a short battle. I'm sure you've heard it said before. It's a marathon and not a sprint. So brothers and sisters, Lot went back. He went back to Sodom. He went back and Abraham was all vulnerable, but yet nothing, it would seem, in the short run worked out. But in the end, it did work out though Lot brought judgment on himself. So today, guys, as we're here, uh, at the start of November, in the year of our Lord, 2018, what are we to do? Here's what we are to do. Some of us today have got to find the courage to declare to the evil one, get behind me. Some of us today have got to, even though we're tired and we're a bit raw and the skin is off us, we've got to. Because this is a defining moment, and I prophesy that to some of us. In a defining moment in your journey with God, declare, I will bless Melchizedek. That's what he did. I will receive the blessing from the Lord. I will praise the highest God, but I will say to the evil one, be gone. Get behind me. And some of us need to do that today. So I'm going I'm to pray courage to everyone who needs to do that. Or maybe it needs to become part of your rhythm in your 
journey with God. And I'm also going to pray for those of us who are grieving. Because someone we love isn't right. We did everything we could and it's not worked out. That we don't give up and that we realize God hasn't written the last chapter yet. We're going to pray for hope and pray for courage in the future. So band, would you come up? Sorry, you're going to be standing on some apple skin, but that's okay. This isn't about having a pristine, tidy church. This is all about us getting into our minds and our hearts what God is. Thank you, Carly. You're ever a blessing, my love. There's another one for you. Could we stand? I've asked uh, the guys to sing this song talking about standing on this battleground, looking just how far we've come. Abraham was on the battleground. He'd come a long way, and yet he was faced with good and evil. I pray by God's grace that you and I will always choose to bless the Lord and look to him and not buy the free gift that the enemy would give us. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Will we throw up the words there, guys? And let's sing it and then we'll pray. Thank you, Cafe Church. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we fall, knowing that for every step you are with. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how heavy today because someone you loved that you went out of your way and you put the time you poured your life into them you gave them everything you could as a friend as a parent as a son or a daughter and yet they've just gone their own way do you know what I'm not going to pray for their rescue I'm going to pray for you that your heart would be encouraged and that you wouldn't go under because that didn't work out in this situation. You did the right thing. May God bless you and may you be like Abraham and receive the blessing. Who can identify with that? That's been your experience. Come on, got to be honest. Can you leave your seats and come up to the top, guys? Come on, leave your seats and come up. We're going to pray with you. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. There's more of us here today, and we're like that apple. The skin has been peeled off us, and we know we have got to say, even though we're tired, 
Even when we don't feel strong, we have to say, get behind me, Satan. I am not going to accept your story in my head. I'm not going to buy it. And some of us need to have the courage to say that today. It's not that you've done something wrong, but the evil one has come into your situation to try and throw you. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands. You're willing to say it. Okay. Can I ask you guys to join the guys at the top as well? We're going to pray. Could you join the guys at the top? Okay, praise God. Can we lift up our hands? Holy Spirit, for every broken heart, for the disappointment, for the disillusionment, because it didn't happen, we did all we could, and it hasn't worked out. We bring our disappointment, and we leave it on the altar today. Who'll say amen? We don't know what else we could have done, but here in Grace Church today, we hand it over to you, and we pray now, Lord, not for the person who let us down. We pray for the people who are here that the Holy Spirit, who is called what? The Comforter, that His comfort and His consolation would pour into your mind and into your heart, and that strangely, you would be strengthened and encouraged in this place today. And I ask you, Lord, that not one of us here would buy the lie that the last chapter has been written about our disappointments. We know, God, that you're not finished yet, and we have great hope for the future, but right now, feeling tired, feeling disillusioned, we pray your Holy Spirit would be poured in and that the living God would rescue you from giving up and losing hope. Come, Spirit of God, and rescue us from any prison where our emotions or our thoughts would capture us. May we be spiritual. May we bless the Lord in Jesus' name. Some of us have got to say, get behind me, Satan, the evil one. We've had a, about three weeks of people all over our community sharing horrible nightmares, seeing evil in people that they'd never seen before, and literally, literally seeing darkness. It's no coincidence that we've just gone through Halloween, a time of heightened witchcraft, heightened Satanism. Let's wake up and realize that we are in a war, you're in a battle, and you might say, I don't want to be in a battle. You've got no choice, you're in it. The decision is how we handle it. So let's say, get behind me, Satan, and let's say, I praise the Lord, and may the Lord bless me. May he bless me and reward me and be my shield, my very great reward. So for those of us who know, we've got to say to the enemy, get behind me, Satan. Can you just lift up your right hand? Jesus, we lift up our right hand and into our thoughts, into our emotions, into our families, into our workplace, into our health, into our mind. 
we say, as we praise the Lord, we honor the Lord, but we say to the evil one, get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Guys, I'm going to ask you to just say that with me at the count of three. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. And I want you to just start declaring it and bring it into your home and bring it into your car and bringing it into your dreams. Because when we rebuke him, you don't rebuke him in your name, you rebuke him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So at the count of three, let's say it together. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, for all of us here who want us, I want to pray that Abraham's blessing is your blessing. I am your shield, your protection, your very great reward. So we're going to pray finally that God would protect you and that God would reward you. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life and I want it for the people I love. So if you want that, lift up both your hands. If you don't want it, that's between you and God. But if you want that, let's show the Lord. May that ancient prayer that ancient blessing be our prayer and our blessing today so into our lives and into our futures into our tomorrows into the generations here and yet to come almighty god hear our prayer now as we ask you will you be our shield our protection protect us from evil and deliver us from it And will you be our very great reward? Reward us, O God. That means bless us. Encourage us in our emotions, in our minds, and above all, in our souls. And let the wind of your spirit blow through us today and into our future. Because you are worthy and it's worth it to follow you. So bless us with good. Keep evil from us and go before us in Jesus' name. And for the last time, the people of God said, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, every one of you, for coming and joining us here today. The band are going to play us out with this beautiful song. Don't forget we're here Tuesday. Coffee and tea upstairs. May God be your reward the week ahead. Amen. Hallelujah.